you want to learn more about effective management, head over to madsingers.com and sign up for my free management training. Welcome to the Mad Singers Management Podcast from madsingers.com, where entrepreneurs and business managers learn and share. If you like the show, don't forget to leave a review. Hello, 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 and welcome back to the Mad Singers Management Podcast. Today, I'm joined by Todd Kukan. Welcome, Todd. Thank you. Great to be here. I am super excited to have a great conversation with you today because we have a little bit similar backgrounds and like myself, you've done lots of cool things in the corporate world and with nonprofits and so on. But uh, why don't you tell the audience a little bit about who you are and how you ended up where you are? Sure. Yeah. Actually, uh, a couple months ago, I jumped full-time into entrepreneurship running my own business. But prior to that, I spent a lot of time in the nonprofit world. I worked for different universities. I've worked for nonprofits, uh, worked for a, a business council, a chamber of commerce. So a lot of the work I've done has been running, managing, supporting, helping, aiding businesses, uh, you know, improve themselves. I've done a lot of, you know, raising money in the nonprofit world. Also, early on in my life, I did a lot of coaching uh, in basketball. I did some high school teaching. And I do some college teaching now. So I do, a, I do a bunch of stuff. I don't know if I do any of it well or not, but I do a bunch of different things. I've always found teachers make great managers. I don't know if there's a similarity to what they do, but uh, yeah. Well, I, I think there is. I think you've got, you know, you got students running around your classroom, just like you have employees running around your business. And sometimes it's a challenge. Yep, definitely, definitely. What's, uh, what's been the most exciting thing you've done so far, Todd? Well, I think just just making the decision uh, to jump out on my own full time into entrepreneurship and starting my own business that's a that was a that was a pretty big moment. I figured out you know, about a year ago, actually, in early 2021, that um, my work schedule and my passion were conflicting in terms of time. That uh, I really enjoy the leadership, corporate culture, corporate communication, that that space and was doing a lot of uh, presenting and speaking and coaching and training, but I had to take vacation time to do that. So um, that probably was one of the bigger decisions I've had to make recently is, is make that jump into it. And uh, as you know, as an entrepreneur yourself, it's there, there are high moments, you know, where you, you get that client or you make that difference. And then there are the day-to-day -day struggles of, you know, am I going to be able to feed myself tomorrow or next month or, or next, next uh, year? So uh, it's, it's, it's a roller coaster, but it's, it's an exciting roller coaster. 100% on that. Yeah, I've luckily many, many years since I jumped into it. But uh, yeah, it was interesting. I, uh, I, I was lucky enough to actually start sort of coaching on the side while I was working corporately. So I, uh, I had a bit of a safety net when I first let go. But uh, yeah, it was definitely, definitely interesting. And that's similar to me too. About I started in the leadership area about four and a half years ago and did it kind of on a part-time basis, pick up a few things here and there while I was working full-time. So yeah, that safety net is nice. And I've got I've got four daughters. You can I know the listeners can't see my hair, but if you could see my hair, you could tell I have four daughters. It's kind of gray and thinning. But uh now they're all you know, three of them have jobs, one of them is graduating from college. So I just felt it was it was a good time. But there's you know, you never know when that right time is. It could be at 22. It could be at 63 like it was for me. Yeah, totally, totally. Well, that's awesome. That's awesome. Good to hear. So um, you you mentioned a little bit about sort of corporate leadership and working with big organizations and so on. One of the things that I love is, is really the ability to take some of these big systems and frameworks and really help small entrepreneurs 
understand how they work and the value, right? Because it can sometimes be hard to compare. And sometimes it's easy to say, oh, these big organizations can afford to do anything, right? But but just from a leadership training standpoint, like what are what are some of the key lessons that you think that entrepreneurs can really learn from the corporate world? I think, first of all, I think you're absolutely right, Mads, that yeah, it doesn't matter whether you're 10,000 or 10, that that the principles are still the same. And you know, if a big company can maybe buy a twenty thousand dollar product off the shelf to try to help their business, but there are some simple skills that that the that the uh, the uh, employer can do if they have a, a small business as well. I think that the thing that's really helped me and, and is helping me is is making sure I'm I, I stay focused on my purpose, my why, and that's that's kind of the the bigger the bigger piece of it all. If if you're not strong on why you're doing it, what's the reason behind it, and I. I really, I'm kind of on a mission. I want to I want to revolutionize corporate leadership and, and culture. And that's a huge thing, I know. But but that's that's my mission. That's my purpose. And that's what I'm trying to do by helping all these different businesses with their, with, you know, with their leadership ability, with their communication, building trust and and uh, creating constructive conflict. So I don't know if that if that if that answers your question, I got maybe I got a little sidetracked there. But that, that passion, I think, is really an important piece of it. Tell us a little bit more about constructive conflict. Sure. Yeah, I mean, every every workplace has drama, right? Every family has drama. Every organization has drama. We know that's out there. But conflict is really a good thing if you and your business know how to handle it. And that's where I think you have to start on kind of a, a base level of, of what, what do you as individuals value? What do you as a company value? And then continue to build on that and then develop your communication skills so that there's adequate communication going on between the owners, the president, the staff, whoever, whether again, two people or 200 people, communication is so critical to that. Once you develop the communication and people see that you're, you're an honorable person, that you live up to your values, then the trust develops. And from the trust, by trusting each other, again, it's, it's a lot like a relationship, right? By trusting each other, when those topics come up that create conflict, you can have constructive conversation around that conflict because the trust is there. People will realize they're not always, always going to get their way, but they're at least going to have a chance to give input into the, into the process, whatever it is. So conflict, I think, is healthy as long as you make it constructive. But that only comes from, again, building that communication and building that trust amongst the people you work with. Yeah, I love I love you mentioning communication because for, for me, that's definitely number one when it comes to any kind of training. And uh, when, when I do any training, communication is always the first focus, right? Because, and, and not just at the workplace, honestly, like I've, I've coached lots of corporate people. And, and the one thing that I experienced is that when people, when experienced managers that have performed well in the past start struggling in a corporate environment, 95% of the case, it's problems at home. And yeah, it's exactly. often stuff that communication <clears throat> can solve or could have solved, or maybe could have solved if it had happened earlier in the process, right? But yeah, things, yeah. things from home come into the workplace, and things in the workplace come into home. And there, you know, there's some simple kind of things you can do, man, to to help that communication. I'm working with a company right now; it's about 200 employees. We created a culture team, but one of the things that we've told the culture team is told the told the executive leadership team is. Get out in the plant. It's a manufacturing uh, facility. Get out in the plant and just talk to people. You don't have to have any great strategy. Just get out and, and talk to people. Say hi. Let them see your face. Let them know that you care. You know, sit down at a lunch table with people you maybe not know as an executive. Get to know them. 
Um, you know, some th simple things like that. There's another company I heard of that um, it's about 4,000 employees. And the CEO writes a handwritten birthday note, birthday card, every birthday for all 4,000 employees. Now that's got to take a little bit of time, right? So if you're, you know, if you're a small staff of again, 10, 20, 50, hundred, that's even a little bit easier to do. And it means so much, you know, think about when you get your mail, right? The first thing you look at when you get your mail, if there's a handwritten address on it, I'm not going to open the one with the, the cellophane wrapper and the pre-printed address. If, if someone writes me a handwritten note, it means so much. And those little things can build up into those bigger things that lead to that eventual trust and constructive conflict. Definitely. Definitely. Yeah, I love it. And uh, I, I think uh, 100% agree, right, on uh, communication. It's one of the things that baffles me the most with our general education system. Like even people that come out of, you know, university with a communications degree or whatever they call it, uh, honestly hardly understand very much about communication, which which is a shame, right? Well, I th yeah, I think I think it becomes too academic then. Not not that academics are bad, but it becomes too structured communication, and you have you you really have to practice communication. I mean, we do it since we're when, from the moment we're born, right? We start crying when the doctor slaps our butt, but um, it, it's something we need to continually work on and 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 bring out in other people. And I think that's part of um, one of the things I work a lot on is is the DISC assessment. It's a behavioral personality assessment. And tells people what their communication styles are, and then how can they work better with other communication styles? Because I'm an I personality style. I'm an influencer. I'm more outgoing. I'm people oriented, and other people are not that way. And that doesn't make them, you know, better or worse than me. They're just a different style. And part of my responsibility is to meet them where they are as a communicator and help bring them out. You know, if it's if it's in a staff meeting. And somebody's kind of sitting there quietly, you know, figure out a way to bring in Susie or Johnny into that conversation to help and build that communication amongst the team. Totally. And that is my ultimate framework as well. That is, uh, I spent hours teaching clients about this with everything I do, because for me, it, it's so, it's so simple, yet so complex it, it it makes it it makes it it's the easiest tool i've ever seen in learning and understanding how to communicate more effective to individuals that you've never met before or even individuals you've known for years right because most of the time people don't understand people who are different from who they are right? i had i had a friend uh, a friend tell me once he took the disc assessment and he read it and he said to me it wasn't me it's just like it didn't you know it, it didn't didn't seem like me at all and he said then i had my wife read it. And his wife said, Oh, Gordon, this is you exactly. This is you hundred percent. So he didn't have the self-awareness to really understand, but, but you're right. It's such, it's a, it's a 15 minute tool, basically assessment that you take. And it gives you a report that tells you, tells you so much and you need to learn about yourself if you're going to be able to help others and work with others. And then that's the first step. The second step is again, where you use that tool with, with your whole staff and figure out ways to communicate. Um, I go, I go in the, I'll go in the office when I used to be in the office on a Monday morning and I'll talk about the Green Bay Packer football team and my Wisconsin Badgers college team. And I'll just be blah, blah, blah. And this person, I go in their office and she's like laser focused on her computer. So I have two choices, right? I can come out of her office and say, oh my God, leave her alone. She's a BIT, you know what today and what a crab and how cranky she is. Or I can walk out of her office and say, hey guys, 
Let's leave her alone. She's working on an important report. Let's respect her work style and let's let her get that done and leave her alone. Make sure we answer the phone or take care of the front door. And, you know, it's a simple example. But that's kind of what you're getting at, Mads, with that, with the disk assessment, how it can work. Yeah, actually, what I teach my clients not to use the assessment, but just to to read people's body language and behavior, because yep. I the, the, the challenge with, with tests of any kind of behavioral test is, number one, how well people like to know themselves. So the biggest challenge is that most people, as your friend, many people don't actually know themselves super well. So even when they take the test, they often take, uh, they often answer what they want to be, not necessarily sure. who they are. And yeah. the other piece is, uh, you know, like a lot of companies do it at a job interview situation and people will always tell you what they think you want to hear, no matter what you tell them in a job interview situation specifically. Right. Yeah, exactly. So, it, it, it that's the reason why I always teach people to to just learn to to read basic body language and, and get the disk uh, parameters for that because uh, that for me that's where disks stand out compared to any other test because the I mean I mean disk and Myers Briggs in principle are very similar right but 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 uh, Myers Briggs and all the other ones they they don't have the the simple ability to identify people's behavior just by by like just talking to the person for a few minutes right and, yeah. and isn't it interesting how how little Content matters in a conversation that your your nonverbal communication, what you're doing and the tone in which you say something, those things are so critical. I mean, your content certainly is important, but but like you say, you know, you study their study their non, you know, like you and I are kind of studying each other now and trying to figure each other out a little bit. Um, but but it's it's so important to to see the whole part of communication, not just the words that are being spoken. Again, that depends so much on the person, right? So, I mean, there's people who can literally sit and stare into a wall while having a conversation with you because they primarily listen to the words. Yeah. And there's people like, if you're not staring them into the eyes, they're like, why are you not listening to me and getting frustrated with you, right? So again, that's the whole thing about, yeah, different people and, yep. and so on. Yeah. Excellent, excellent. So let's let's jump into to culture a little bit because that's something that many smaller businesses at least often struggle to get their head around how to actually build a good culture and how to work with what they have and so on. So what, what's your take on culture in general? Yeah. So I, so I, I've worked in mostly, um, mostly small offices. The last one was uh, six, I think that we had at the business council. Most of my, the places I've worked in have been fairly small or the departments I've been, have, have been very small. And the, the, the mantra that, that I've always, and I'm just, I'm thinking out, I'm thinking to myself as I'm talking here, but kind of a three prong mantra that we talked about in our small office to really help with the culture. One is dream big. I think we always need to dream big. You know, we're, we're recording this on Martin Luther King's birthday, which is a major holiday in the United States. And he had a speech called, I have a dream. Not I have a plan, but I have a dream. So I think dreaming big is, is one of the first things you need to do. I think, you, I think you have to, the second thing is know how to have fun. I think you have to have fun in the workplace. Now, if you haven't, if, if your listeners haven't watched it, there's a, it's called Fish, F-I-S-H philosophy. And it came out of a meat market or a fish market in Seattle. And they've got, you know, they're, they're throwing fish around. They've got ice. It's, it's kind of rainy in Seattle sometimes. And it wasn't and not a pleasant place, but they turned it into something that was fun, right? And I think you have to know how to have fun. Obviously, safety is important too, depending upon your workplace, but you have to know how to have fun. And then the third one is get stuff, you know, different word, 
get stuff done, right? Get, get your work done and roll up your sleeves and pull up your sleeves for each other. Again, in the office I was just in, in the Chamber of Commerce, we'd have a major event with 400 people that would come in for dinner and there'd be, there'd be a handful of us on staff working the event. Well, at that event, we all threw our titles out the window and we listened to our event planner. And she was the boss for that particular time, right? And if she said jump, we said how high. It didn't matter who you were and you didn't ask, you didn't ask questions. So you have to get stuff done. But to help get stuff done, I think you have to dream big. And I think you have to know how to have fun. So those are kind of three simple elements of, of, of culture. And then it really boils down to just how, how you treat people, how you treat each other. And, and I, I go by the platinum rule, which is treat others as they would want to be treated. You know, the golden rule is do unto others as you do unto yourself. Well, the platinum rule is do unto others as they, as they would want done to them. So that gets back to this, the styles and understanding other people and their styles and really meeting them where they are and, and fitting, filling in their needs. So those are a few little things as it relates to culture. Yep, definitely. I, uh, I agree. And yeah, it, it totally goes back to disc as well, right? Because uh, again, it's easy when, when people say treat others like you want to be treated. Um, particularly in terms of communication style, sometimes people want to people want you to be super direct, but that's not necessarily the right way to communicate to others around them, right? Right. So yeah, that's that's super interesting. What about personal development? What's what's your sort of magic trick to to get an organization on sort of the personal development train and making sure that people are growing as individuals? One of the tools I've used uh, that's been pretty effective is is uh, a mastermind around some content or, or a book. Um, I've, my initial training in leadership development came through uh, John Maxwell. Uh, also read a lot of Simon Sinek's books, a lot of Patrick Lencioni's books. And I think, I think reading is, is, is a first step in, in your personal development just for yourself. And in your business, there's a lot of businesses I know and, and, and most businesses I work with where we'll read some content and then use that content to relate it back to something that's going on in the workplace. So I've used, uh, John Maxwell's got a book, The 21 Irrefutable Laws of Leadership. So maybe once a week, you know, you, you read each one of those laws and you have, a, you know, maybe a 30-minute staff meeting and talk about, okay, what, what did that say? But not like, a, not like an academic test, but then relate how did that, how, what, how is what I read in there relate to what's going on in the workplace and how can we be help our communication, build that trust and start working on that conflict. Uh, Lencioni's got a great book, The Five Dysfunctions of a Team. That's another one where you can take a, you know, you take a, a 15 question, I think it is assessment and then work through some of that. And Lencioni talks a lot about trust and constructive conflict. So I really think that's a simple way. If you don't know where to go, obviously you can reach out to one of us, but if you don't know what way to go yourself is, you know, ask somebody what's a good book to read and, and, you know, make it a personal development book. And then out of there, have some conversations with your staff about it. And you know, it's amazing what will open up again. Definitely. What's been your personal hack to success generally in the world of business in general? It's been developing habits uh, and, and challenges are the two things. Um, so I've, I've got a routine pretty much every morning. Well, Every morning I go through, there's a, a series of things that I do, and it's it's almost robotic, which I guess is a good thing because then it's a habit. It's not just a New Year's resolution that I forget about, but it, it's a habit. And I try to add something new every time. And what that means is I have to take I have to take away from something else that I'm doing. 
And typically that take, I take away my time on social media and there, there is value to social media, but there's also some time that I spend wasting on there. So I'll take 10 minutes of social media time and plug it into something, you know, just from a fitness standpoint, I'm starting to do sit-ups and push-ups every morning, whatever day it is, that number of sit-ups and push-ups I do. So I did 17 today and I can feel it, but, uh, but creating those habits really, I think, I think is a big thing. The other thing that I like as well is, is challenges. So I've got a, a number of different uh, uh, people that I connect with. Uh, I've got three different groups that I connect with and we have different accountability challenges. For me, that's I have trouble sometimes doing things on my own, sticking to things, being accountable to myself. So if I got somebody else that I've got to do it for, it, it elevates my it elevates me a little bit. Matter of fact, I've got a we're getting together again. We get together every Wednesday afternoon. I've got something I've got to get out today. So without that, I probably wouldn't, you know, I probably wouldn't think about doing it. So creating those habits and then um, creating challenges. And, and you can do some fun things in the workplace with that too. But th those are probably two things from the personal development standpoint that really helped me. Yep. That makes a lot of sense. That makes a lot of sense. And I, I think, uh, yeah, I, I look at it in a similar fashion. I mean, uh, luckily, many years ago, I read Atomic Habits, and that was a, that was an amazing book and just on establishing habits the way you're saying it, right? Like, um, really just keep building on and keep steady habits throughout your basically your life, right? Like build them up and, and keep keep doing the things that like if you're so used to doing them, they don't feel hard anymore. That's that's the super hack for sure. Yes. Simon Sinek has a great uh, video out. It's about <clears throat> it was about six, seven minutes. And I don't know the exact, I can never remember the name of it, but if you look up Simon Sinek, S-I-N-E-K, and just Google or search leadership love exercise. And he talks about how exercise and love and leadership are all the same, right? If you if you exercise nine hours in one day, you're just going to get really stiff. But if you exercise 30 minutes a day over a course of time, you'll get in shape. Same thing with love. You don't all of a sudden fall in love with somebody. It's it there is, you know, it's a process, as is once if you decide to take on a partner, there's a process. You have to continue that relationship. Same Definitely. thing with leadership. You can't go to a two or three day seminar and the, the switch is flipped and all of a sudden it's magic. It's something you have to, you continually work on and you're persistent at. And that's why, you know, the book thing is not any complicated, expensive thing to do, but it's something that if you do it repetitively, it can really help you and it can help your business. Definitely. That, that's definitely been my biggest uh, hack in life. I, luckily, when I was 18, I got a great manager and I basically started reading a book a week uh, for at least 10 years, right? And uh, the, the thing is, many of the things, like I've read stuff that I wouldn't use for 10 years, but but the thing is, when you when you have a lot of stuff in your head and you eventually get to use it, what happened for me at least was that even when I made a mistake, I realized I'd made a mistake because I understood like, oh, this conversation wasn't supposed to go this way. And I actually <laughs> realized that I've made a mistake and I had the, I had the theory from the books of why it went wrong. So that that was super, super helpful in general, right? But but yeah, it, it's uh, it's probably the, the most powerful habit as a human being you can learn, I think, personally. Well, so, yeah, so like you're talking about, man, self-awareness is so critical is we're going to fail, we're going to make mistakes. So having that self-awareness to understand it and understand why, and more importantly, how am I going to change what I do in the future to make sure that mistake doesn't happen again? So, but that, yeah, reading, yeah, that's amazing reading a book a week. Holy cow. That's you're, you're, you're way ahead of me, but, but uh, I've, I've read more books in the last four and a half years than I did my entire life by multiples. I mean, even, even in college. So 
but it's 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 helped me and I need to do a better job of taking what I read and, and implementing it of course we all do but it's so valuable and it's 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 simple it's simple to do right not yeah. easy always but it's simple so I, I I was actually I had a period where I was listening to a ton of podcasts and so on and uh, sure. honestly I've had to cut most of them out just because um I, I I'm a very addictive personality. So when I first start with episode one, I can't stop until I listen to them all. And I, yeah. at one point I was trying to listen to 12 podcasts every week and I was like, that's a lot. So I had to kind of cut down on podcasts quite a bit, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, again, development, it, it's about building the habit and just make it a consistent, right? Because if you do like most people sprint into it, they read like a lot or they do a lot and then they, just fall flat and then you know you don't get that much value out of it so that's why yeah that's why we talked about before creating those habits so you you do it regularly you do it consistently and and you know you have to think about what do you, what are you feeding yourself when you're on when you're on social media or watching television not that you shouldn't but what are you feeding yourself and what could you be feeding yourself you know uh, in the united states uh, over the weekend there were six nfl playoff games you could have watched you know, 24 hours of football. Well, is that going to, couldn't you have taken like one hour maybe and done a little reading or something? You know, it's not a huge sacrifice to do it. Just time management, how you use your time and how you create those habits. Yeah. I, I mean, I have a TV in this apartment, but I don't know if it works. So that's, uh, <laughs> Good that's how to do it. That's how to do it. So uh, Todd, in terms of small business owners, what do you reckon is generally the, the biggest sort of thing that you see most small business owners management wise do wrong that you sort of are not, not wrong, but you know, where they can do better or where they can improve based on your observation so far. I think, I think the relationship part is so important. I think sometimes people get so involved in their business. They forget about what goes around on around their business. I think they, I think business as, as a, as particularly a small business owner, you need to stay connected. You need to, there's so much so much value out there in the world. And that's why when I ran the, the business council, you know, we had 500 businesses who were members and we had different uh, events and activities to try to get those folks to get engaged and stay with each other and uh, pick each other's brains. You know, when you go, if you go to a, a networking event as a, as a business person, make sure you're going there to give and not necessarily to get. If you go there to get, you're probably not going to be as successful. But if you're willing to give something to another business owner, you'll probably get it back, get it back tenfold. So I think, I, but I think you need to really still be be out there and and find those people, find your inner circle of people that can help you. Create a create a little group that maybe you get together with once a week for for 30, 45 minutes and just talk about what are your challenges. Be willing to share your fails, um, but you have to do that with other with other people. I think that's one of the things that you know the remote remote work, which I think there's a lot of value to it. Sometimes you lose that that the bonding or whatever you want to call it aspect of it. I mean, you can do some through through Zoom and other media, but I think you really need to get and be with people and in front of people. Um, so those relationships, you know, you, sometimes you get so ingrained in your business you forget about the people around it. I think that's really critical. Yeah, I, I totally agree. And I I've been location independent for probably seven seven, eight years or something like that by now. And uh, yeah, I, I spent like 
I spend majority of my time that I spend with people, I spend networking because yeah. I think wherever you go in the world, uh, you can always find great people. And I'm, I'm a firm believer in the fact that you can learn something from everyone, right? Yeah. I think a lot of the time people focus too much. They're like, oh, can I get some benefit from knowing you? And then it's like, okay, let's move on, right? But 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 reality is you can build many, many solid relationships with, with people anywhere you go in the world. And I mean, I, I use simple tools like LinkedIn or whatever, and you know, literally just hit up some people with some interesting titles or some, I don't know, working with some cool companies or whatever. And I just say like, hey, I'm in town, you know, do you want to grab a coffee or something? And it doesn't need to be more complex than that. Um, and here's the thing, no one does it. So like a lot of time people say yes, because I mean, if there was 20 people doing it every day, like people wouldn't have the time, but reality is no one does it, right? So so generally you can you can get to talk to some really amazing people. And I've met like, a, I mean, people that have changed my life multiple times just that way, right? So. Well, it, interestingly, I, I, I've been, uh, I'm starting to write a book. So I've been doing some interviews of folks and interviewed one guy that I've known for probably 15 years. And I did a 30-minute a interview, and I learned more about him in that 30 minutes than I had the previous 17 years. And it's because we had a conversation. Then we then we ended up going to breakfast. We had another hour conversation, learned some more of each about each other. Now we're going to get together again and pick each other's brains on leadership and some different tools he uses and tools that I use. And I just kind of ran like like randomly out on LinkedIn. I knew him. I said, hey, let's get together for a book interview, not even knowing if he would. And he did it. I'm so glad we got connected. So that's that exactly what you're talking about is, and people love to talk. People love to network. So I think, I think you're right. It's a kind of a forgotten skill and we need to do more of it. Definitely. Well, Todd, thank you very, very much for joining me today. That was awesome having you on board. If people are eager to get to know more about you or get hold of you, what's the best way to do so? Sure. You can, I have a website and it's my first name and last name. So it's T-O-D-D. K-U-C-K-K-A-H-N.com, ToddKukan.com. Also, I'm on social media. I, I do a lot of posting on, on social media, so I see some value there. But I'm on, on social media a lot as well, so people can find me find me there as well. This has been great, Mads. I appreciate it. It's been a great conversation. Epic. Well, thank you very much for joining me today, Todd. That was uh, fantastic. Thank you. And to the audience, we'll be back again next week. Thank you for hanging on all the way to the end. Thank you for listening to the Mad Singers Management Podcast. Please leave a review. It means the world to us. You can also learn more about management at madsingers.com.